eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. No days off. No days off. No days off. No days off. This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest <laughs> With Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Oh, Hannibal. Hannibal. Oh, Mr. Dot Commer on weei.com. Podcast. Another uh, week of not big Patriots news, but once again, we're going to deliver a podcast and a good podcast, I think. Are we sure? Because I'm not sure I liked your energy. Once again, an off day podcast. What is Eeyore hosting this freaking thing? Do you want to Do you want to no. host? No, I'm more of more of an off the ball kind of player. Okay, and so what? You call me the point guard? Uh, yeah, I didn't say you're a good point guard. I should say you're the point guard. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I guess something you want to mock right off the top. Yesterday, uh, Albert Breer posted a mailbag uh, where he was asked what the Eagles could do um, with what, what's his name, Brandon um, Brooks. Brooks. He's up for the year with a torn Achilles. And he wrote basically that Joe Tooney could be an option. And then immediately multiple outlets, including our own, jumped on it as, you know, saying basically the Eagles could be a landing spot for Joe Tooney. Yeah. Um, when a guy just – I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's like the the most – you know, even if Schefter just throws something out there. When they're just spitballing like that to like pretend the dots are already partially connected, I just – I hate um, to me, this was just, um, if I asked you, your car broke down, are you probably going to buy a new car? Yeah. Are you probably going to go look at a few dealerships? Yeah. Is there a chance you buy a Toyota? Yeah. But if I say, uh, Ryan's car broke down, I think he might get a Corolla. What am I basing that on? Like, where is that coming from? So to me, that's what this is. Yes. There's Joe Tooney. Yes. He's on the franchise tag. Yes. There was initially speculation that he might be traded. I got to think that possibility has diminished unless the Eagles are, you know, all in, but I, I don't, I mean, I think the Patriots are comfortable with Joe Tooney on the books right now. That's what I wrote this morning. If, if, if he's still on the roster now, it makes no sense to get rid of him. Like once the draft passed and he was still on your roster, 
he's pretty much on your roster for the entire year. Now that could change contractually. Like he could get a contract extension, but I don't see him getting traded. It doesn't make any sense. No, because then now I guess if you were just saying this is a total rebuild, if you want to go like, well, you know, I said Sox that style. too, but you don't have anybody else in place. And do you want to put Jared Stidham in the new Patriots offense without Tom Brady with like a terrible offensive line and Stidham gets sacked every time he drops back to throw the running game, can't do anything. Like they don't have anybody to replace Joe Tooney. Like it'd be uh Froho and you don't know what he is. No idea what he is. And then the next in line might be, I don't even know. Well, and I also put, isn't Tooney technically the backup center? Uh, yes, I would say he is. He's, so, also probably, he's also probably technically the backup left tackle, too. Right. So if you lose Tooney, your offensive line, which some have said could be the best in the NFL, all of a sudden becomes like middle of the pack to end of the pack. Yeah, so you, you weren't a very good offensive line a year ago. Now, honestly, there were injuries and issues there, but you take away the guy who's supposed to now be the best player on that line and remove him and still have uncertainty of win. Who knows if he can get through a season? Who knows if he's a legit left tackle? David Andrews, okay, he's supposedly healthy. He's deemed himself ready to go, but I'm not 100% in that that's something we can move on from and just ignore. Be, and I don't think the Patriots are either. Right, and then... You know, Shaq Mason, hopefully he's healthy. You have him to count on. Marcus Cannon, hopefully he's healthy, motivated, and playing like good Marcus Cannon, not, you know, suspect Marcus Cannon. Correct. They have – to me, that's the biggest wild card position on the team by Offensive far. Like, yeah. Because even, like, I know everybody would focus on quarterback, but even if Stidham's good, how good is he as a rookie, as a first-time starter? Like, right. But the offensive line – I don't think it's ridiculous to say they could have one of the best offensive lines in football. Well, that's what I was going to say. The the potential is way high, but then right. the the low bar is way low. Yeah, it's like the you know when we talk about prospects, and I say he's got a low floor and a high ceiling. Well, he could be really bad, but he could be really good. Right. Well, how's that? Where's that going to land on that balance? Um, and a lot of it's kind of like what you always say too. Like it's just sort of the way things go in the NFL. Some things work out, some things don't out, don't work out. So it kind of evens out. And that's kind of what the Patriots offensive line is like Isaiah Wynn could be great, but Marcus Cannon could have a a bad year. It all evens out. Yeah. And if we wanted to do it statistically, you like, you got a one in five chance that each guy is elite. So one fifth times one fifth times one fifth. That's long odds that you're really good. It's long odds that you're really bad in my opinion, and in all likelihood, you're in the middle somewhere where you have a decent offensive line, but that would take a blow with a Tooney trade. I mean, it's not ideal, but again, I think they're somewhat comfortable with paying Joe Tooney the franchise tag and moving forward from there. I mean, it's it, you, it sounds like everything you read. doesn't make any sense. Like, I, I agree. To, why wouldn't you try to extend him? Well, you can try, but that's not always easy. So you're of the mind that you wouldn't give him like a, a, a max deal? Um, I don't think that's good business. I think you've invested in, in Shaq Mason. Um, you know, I, the cap could be coming down depending on how the NFL plays out this year. I, I just don't love the idea. And the problem with the franchise tag, we've heard it a million times, is as soon as that player has that number, that's the number. Like that's right. where the agent works from. So, Joe Tooney says, okay, I make $14.7 million a year. 
So to lower the number, to take a hit in salary. And he's like, wait a minute, that says 14.7 million. Why am I making? Right. So there, there's just a big number out there and it's hard to go backwards from that number. Um, I also just don't know how good he is. Like, it's fine to say he's always out there and he doesn't get hurt and he's pretty good. But is he really good? Is he like, you know, everybody would point to. Um, it's not Logan Mankins. He's not Quentin Nelson. Like everybody, like, is he one of the best guards in the game? Sure, maybe. But is he top two, top five, top ten? And what does that even get you? Like, how important is that? How valuable is that? So I, I don't know. I'm. I wouldn't. I don't think I would sign Joe Tooney to a massive contract. I mean, you're talking about fifteen million dollars a year. Some average of fifteen million dollars a year. So. Five years, you know, $75 million or something like that. And I just, for this team. But then I could, I, I, I'm of the same mindset, but then like, do you factor in Skarnecki being gone? Like, do you need to have somebody who you can depend on? That's going to be out there. It's going to be consistent. Like that would help Tooney's case. But is it, can you find somebody else? Like one of their draft picks, your guy, the Wake Forest guy, Heron, Heron, however you say his name. Right. Like could, could he one day just slide in and be serviceable? Well, I mean, you have two Pro Bowl caliber left and right guards that you drafted in the third and fourth round. Like, find a guy. Right. Whether it's Froholt from a year ago. He should, be, he should be healthy now. He was a mid-round pick. Right. He's been in the system. He even got a year of some sort under Skarnekia to build off of, even though, you know, right. he doesn't have that to lean on now. I just – this is where you kind of have to re-feed the system, in my opinion, and not – sell out at a wide franchise but then why franchising um that's a great question just to i don't know that's a great question because you're right back where you started right if you if you just play them out on the franchise tag this year you have an expiring contract now are you going to franchise them again with the 25 percent raise and all that i I definitely wouldn't do that but it's a great question i don't necessarily maybe there were better trade thoughts initially but is it worth it now to make a hole at left guard, another question on your offense, and get – again, I don't think you're going to get a ton for him if you trade him because they have to sign him, right? right. Well, and if you trade him, you're, you're probably getting a 2021 draft pick, right? Right, but even then, I don't think you're – I mean, I said all along, maybe a third-round pick, maybe dream of a second-round pick. Right, you're right. If you're trading him, you're going to take on that contract. Right, so – sign which – Again, he has that franchise tag number in his head. So, And let's go to the Eagles that Breer just threw out there and everybody thinks could be whatever. Well, he threw it out there because they need, they need a player to replace him and Tooney was somewhat available. Like it wasn't like – it was just sort of connecting the dots in a way. Pure speculation. Right. And, but they're a team – I believe they can fit him now, but they have cap issues moving forward. So they're adding either a one-year rental or – have to find a way to get him under the cap moving forward with all their other financial considerations. I mean, sure, it could happen. Um, I just don't think it's very likely. Certainly, if I were to rank the chances, I would say I would put trade down a little bit now. Me too. I, and you also, you have, so where are we, like June 18th? The Eagles would be on the clock. They'd have to do the contract quickly for the July 15th right. extension. Um yeah, I don't know. It's a good little like nugget to talk about, I guess. But right, I had right. sort of resigned myself to the fact that Joe Tooney is going to be a Patriot. Same. And then the other thing too is, so people talk about, well, you could free up the fourteen million dollars for the Patriots. Like, who are you going to spend that on? All the guys right. are gone. Like, free agency's over. Like, there's not that big marquee name at any position that's still available. Like, it, right. and it, we've talked about it. Like, 
there's other ways to create their cost of doing business for the year. Like, right. I don't think um, Illuminor is going to play under the $2.1 million um, tender. He's right. either going to sign like a lot. They like him. If they like him, they sign him to like a three-year contract with a lower cap number for this year, like 900 K right. or they cut him, and that money comes right off the books. I mean, there's, right. and they could do, you know, a number of deals, you know, Dante Hightower or somebody like that. They could Stephon do a deal. Gilmore, sign him to an extension. Like, right. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, they don't need the money. I mean, they don't have cap money, but they don't need the cap money right now. There's really no, you know, we keep using the example of, yeah, if Antonio Brown became available, that type of player where they wanted to swing for the fences, they'd have to do something creative and, you know, we'll see. But I don't think that's likely. And I don't think they would do that. I don't know that they're in the market. The way they're built, are they in the market for, oh, we got to go get a, an elite player who just became available? Why? So you can maybe win nine games instead of eight? Like, if right. you're not... It's, it's not the same build. It's not the, the end goal. Yeah, you're trying to win, but the end, you're not one of those teams right on the cusp anymore. Correct. Uh, so you've continued your positional previews. Uh, let's start with uh, the linebacking spot. Is that a good one to start with? Sure. We can start with uh, Jawan Bentley because he spoke to the media via WebEx on, uh, which by the way, I had some issues, but I don't need to go down that Rob Bradford road. We know boss man had some issues one day with a WebEx. Well, see, for some reason, my freaking laptop, the, my company laptop, does not like to go to new wireless places. Okay. Like, it doesn't like to attach to the wireless. So I went to my mom's house, and I was just going to do it from her living room, and it would not connect to the wireless. And then I said, oh, I'll just restart it. Maybe that's it. Well, 20 minutes later, when it was done restarting, like it said, restart, restart, restart forever, like a freaking mouse was running slow inside to keep it moving. So then I ended up, I did it off my phone. I, okay. I WebExed in through my phone. You can do like audio. I don't even know. My phone number was probably visible the whole time on the freaking call when people were, I don't even know how to do any of that, but I got it done. I was on the interview. Uh, he was very good. I, I like him. I don't know what your views of him. He doesn't speak very often. He's obviously no. been injured and last year wasn't a go-to guy because he didn't play much, but I like him. He's a, he's sort of like the other guys. A lot of those guys on the team, nice guy, part like has his, he's very friendly, personable, Probably not like a great quote in a way. Like I don't know. And he even mentioned that like halfway through his first couple answers about himself and his role. He's like, you know, I know I'm getting into the cliche here, but just trying to find a role and help the team any way I can. Right. Like that's he knows kind of, what right. He's kind of like the like Bill likes him because he doesn't say anything. Yeah. And if you remember, like I don't know if I want to over like. I think there were a lot of high hopes for him a year ago. Uh, yeah, because of the way he played in those first few games as a rookie. Right. Like his preseason as a rookie, then he started two of the first three games. He had like a boatload of tackles, and you're like – and I even remember last year talking this time kind of to Mayo, and he's like, oh, you know, the number, he looks the same. And he's right. actually more athletic than me and bigger than me, blah, 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 blah. And then by no fault of his own, he was healthy all year. They just had good depth at linebacker. He. Right was stuck behind Hightower and Collins and Van Oy and even Roberts. I was going to say, well, even Roberts, yeah. That's not true anymore. So, you know, now, that's, now it's Hightower and nobody else at linebacker. And I think Bentley has to be penciled in as a starter. That's what I did in my positional preview page. Oh, York, yeah. I think he might have to play more than any linebacker on the team. Like, probably Hightower, Hightower is not – yeah, he's getting up there. And as If Hightower seen, plays, like, 85% of the snaps – because I looked last year, the only two guys that played 80% of the snaps on the front seven were Collins and Van Oy, both gone. 
They were the only two guys. So that's well, a ton of snaps. What was Hightower, like 60? Uh, why are you asking me these things? Don't, don't. <laughs> Haven't you ever seen the Charlie Casterly thing? Don't ask me a question that you didn't bring up in the production meeting. All right. Well, All right. You, you brought up that you did the numbers, so I figured it was reasonable to ask. Jesus Christ. Talk, talk amongst yourself for a second. I'll look it up. I, I think it was up. like 70%. But I could probably look it up faster than you can. Yeah, you got a computer. Patriot snap counts. I'll find it. Pro Football Reference has a great simple. You just Patriot snap counts. Pro Football Reference comes up. They're all right there. Don't worry. That's where I'm. Which where I'm at right now. So what? What did you say this was? Patriot snap counts. No, no. What? What did? What was your prediction? Oh, my prediction. I'll go seventy-one percent. I said in the sixty range. So, oh, oh, I see. So you did, you said front seven guys were. Oh yeah, all the secondary guys play it. Right, high tower. It was seventy-one percent. I nailed it. Good job. Good job. Which means I probably read it and it was sort of buried in the back of my head somewhere. Right. Right. But the bigger point is you have a massive amount of snaps that went to Van Oy and um, Collins, and Bentley was basically in line with um, Roberts last year, like twenty percent play time because he started a couple games. He played a little bit. Actually, yeah. he had a decent number of tackles for his percentage of uh, play no, time. Bentley actually played more than Roberts. Bentley had 27%. Roberts had 20%. Right. Um, so he, I, I still think he's capable. I think he's a guy that could be in every – well, I won't say every down, but every game, uh, yeah. significant play time linebacker. Um, and he's going to have to be because if he doesn't play, now you're saying – you know, Uche and Jennings and some of those guys are going to have to play. Well, as young guys, like they don't have like Bentley's more of a middle guy. Who else do they have to play in the middle? Therese um, Hightower can play in there. Well, um, yeah. But besides Cash, Cash Mawalu, however you say his name. Oh, the six round pick from Idaho. I think it was Wyoming. But Wyoming, one of those. Wyoming, you're right. Totally disregard the specific states out there, the Midwest or whatever that is. Mountain, one of those schools. Um, you know, he was the second best linebacker on his team behind Logan Wilson was his name. Yeah. The one who went like the third or fourth round and then Bill was like, like. we scouted him. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, most of their, even the newcomers, Jennings, Uche, Brandon Copeland, um, or the returning guys, Simon Winovich, you have a lot of edge guys who are that tweener D end outside linebacker. If you're looking for a guy in the middle of the field, a tackle machine, it's kind of him and not of other, a lot of options. So I think he's going to have a big role. Now, he was asked specifically if he was trying to, um, like, improve, grow his skill set for, like, outside, on the ball. I just don't think there's any shot in hell of, A, that happening, and, B, there being a need. Like, why would he right. – he doesn't need to move out. Somebody needs to move in. Somebody needs to right. show they could play. He, he, I think that's a question, like, do you ask Winovich, hey, if they asked you to, you know, play inside at all or, or – one of those guys right they now we also know that the, the way they move around like oh who's an inside linebacker who's an outside linebacker right. I, mean, I mean some games they could have patrick chung playing in that role right but i guess my thing is i think what you just do is the the hope and the the potential you sort of had last august and september just fast forward to calendar year and maybe that'll come to fruition and it's sort of his year two jump after a semi red shirt right. second season Anything other from the linebacker spot that stood out that you want to hit on or move on to the next? Um, I'm, I'm intrigued by Uche and Jennings. I know everybody around here 
is madly in love with Chase Winovich and the hair, and he's now a YouTube sensation, and he's doing all these videos. I, like, I think he's a role player. I think he's a like a he's a little bit like you know I don't know a Chris Slade. It just he'll have his sacks. I just I see him running by the quarterback. I saw I saw a lot of like circumstantial pressures last year yeah. from him. So I'm actually hoping that the combination of Uche and Jennings is better. And certainly Jennings is the guy to watch coming out of Alabama where it's funny because the scouting report on him is he's more of an edge setter and a run player. Well, he also led the team with like eight sacks, I think last year. So it's not like he's incapable of being productive in the pass rush game. And then Uche, you know, I probably fall victim to, I love Don Brown, talk to Don Brown. Don Brown says he's a great pass rusher. So now I'm, I'm buying into that. Um, But I think there's a good chance you could see both of those guys be impact rookies in their own role, their own little platoon system. So Winovich played 28% of the snaps last year. Do you think Uche and Jennings play similar, more, less? I'm going to take the over on Jennings and similar on Uche. Because that's sort of what Uche has been at Michigan. Like he wasn't an every down guy, barely played really at all, but made most of his snaps. Yes. And he, he's that pass rusher. Now, obviously it's, what kind of games are you in? Um, If you suck and the other team is running the ball in the second half because they're up, you know, 18 points or something that could be, you know, uh, Jennings time. You know, if the, if you're winning and it's comeback time could be more Uche. I just think both of those guys, you're going to kind of, you can, I don't think you can afford for both of those guys to just take their time and be red shirt guys and ease their way into the lineup. I think, at least one of them is ha- going to have to contribute or be given the chance to contribute right out the gates. Cornerback, uh, what, what do you think stood out there? Obviously, you know, Gilmore's the, the lead guy there. I, I think the question is, can they continue to be that strong group that they've been the last several years? Continues the key word, continuity. They have all their guys back. They were good last year. Um, they have guys that sure maybe are on the wrong end, like a Jason McCourty. But for every Jason McCourty, you have a J.C. Jackson coming into his own, Jonathan Jones, prime of his career, Joan yep. Williams, who was a, a redshirt rookie, second-round pick. I mean, they are stacked at cornerback. That's, I mean, that could be the best cornerback room in the National Football League. And unlike running back, yep. it has a, a, a star. Like, Correct. Like the, the Tannenbaum can the say that – right, the Tannenbaum, oh, the running back's the best room in the NFL. Yeah, except they don't even have a starter. They have good depth, but they don't have a guy. Cornerback has the best defensive player in the National Football League from a year ago, one of two cornerbacks that's won defensive player of the year the last quarter century. And, oh, by the way, J.C. Jackson, who people think can be a number one corner, Jason McCourty, who's been a number one corner for a number of teams, veteran experience, Joan Williams, a second-round pick who at worst should be a matchup guy, a, right. a unique long weapon. Same thing and then Jonathan you Jones, do, one of the most versatile. Right. Jonathan Jones. Yeah. Like – a lot of teams like, oh, great slot corner, whatever you want to call them. So I think that's a legit position. It may need to be. Um, you know, they face Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, like right out, you know, first month of September, you're going to get challenged and we'll see. Now, I think that Gilmore will have a, a fallback year. I don't think he can be as good. It's just assumed he's a year older. He had, you know, you can't do much better than he did last year. Right. And I mean, when you tie for the NFL lead in picks, you got pick sixes, you're deflecting balls that other people pick off. Like he had a great, great year other than the season finale against Devontae Parker. 
yeah. it's un, it's unrealistic to expect him to continue to play at that elite level. But I still expect him to be what he was the year before and the end oh, of the year before he's that. Still, like he's still a number one cornerback, no question. No, no, he's a Pro Bowl cornerback. He's. Yeah. It would stun me if he's not a top five corner ish. Um, but it would also stun me if he won back to back defensive player of the year awards. So somewhere in that middle, but the, I, to me, the most interesting guy there, well, two most interesting guys there, I would say are JC Jackson is, I mean, he had five picks last year. That's, that's right. good production. Like is, does he continue to make this jump that some people think is the number one cornerback? Right. And if, if people are afraid of Gilmore, if there's some aura where they, you know, Oh, I'm going to throw to the other side of the field that sh- could give, J.C. Jackson opportunities, and he's shown the ability to be a ball hawk, go get the football. So right. maybe he even sees more production. And then the other one would be Jawan Williams. Is he? What is, is he? Is he even? Yeah. A safety? Like he's working the safeties. Well, that's the other thing. Both he and McCourty, Jason, you know, spending some reps at um, safety, learning the safety position. You lose Duran Harmon. Could they be in that kind of tweener role? But it's funny because I think most notable, at least in my memory, of Jawan Williams from last year is him up at the line of the scrimmage, making tackles in the run game, playing sort of a physical style on the edge. That's sort of what people thought he was when he was drafted, sort of a bigger right. guy. So he, to me, is not really in that free safety mold that you would think of as a corner. It's more, is he a corner or is he sort of a physical in-the-box safety? Like a um, Patrick Chung type. Yeah, a, a little different style, a little longer. I was saying um, bigger. Yeah, not as like compact and stocky. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he's a really interesting player. And you also can't get out of your head. Yeah, last year he's buried on a really good secondary. But he's a second-round pick. So if he's buried on a really good secondary for another year, then maybe he's not that good. Maybe he's another one of these second-round corners who isn't that good. Because, you know, at some point, I don't care who's ahead of you. If you're a second-round corner with unique skills, you should find a way to get on the field and, and right. contribute. Uh, speaking of safety, that's a position where there's some change. It used to be the most sort of, the, not the, I guess, dependable positions of the team. You had Harmon, Chung, McCordy, guys yep. been around a long time. Now Harmon's gone. You bring in a guy like Adrian Phillips, who's kind of a versatile guy. He doesn't really play the typical safety role. I still think it's one of the better positions on the team, but it's just not as certain as maybe it was when Jerron Harmon was your third guy. Yeah, I think the wild card there is Patrick Chung and his age. You know, they just gave him that one-year extension money deal that technically has him extended through like 2023, I think. But yeah, he's coming to the end. He's he's. Um, I, I've enjoyed one of the things I've enjoyed doing these little roster reset blogs on our website is coming up with a key stat for every uh, position, like the cornerback position. The key stat was that uh, Stephon Gilmore had more yards catching the football ball than Nikhil Harry did as a first round wide receiver I enjoyed that one and one that I think is interesting that I didn't enjoy as much because I kind of like Patrick Chung uh first year of his career that he didn't have basically a big play didn't have an interception a sack a forced fumble and a fumble recovery and you can say oh that's circumstantial sometimes ball doesn't bounce your way I don't know for a decade he always had at least one and most of the time had multiples multi you know sack interception force he, had, he didn't have any of those, and you weren't around back then, but um, those plays, those lack of those plays, was seen as the reason Lawyer Malloy was cut back in 2002 um, in a contract squabble. Right. So obviously the contract squabble isn't here because they just did a deal and they've always loved each other, blah, blah, blah. They're great. But Patrick Chung, we saw his coverage, I think, slipped a little bit a year ago. His playmaking slipped. 
is that a one-off circumstantial or is that he's a 33-year-old, 32, 33-year-old safety and he's taken a lot of hits, plays a physical style? I mean, think of Bob Sanders. Like, he played – he was much better, right. but physical style and he just kind of fell off the map. His body couldn't take the toll. Um, Chung has been remarkably healthy for the most part in his second tour. I mean, healthy with quotations. Like, he's out there, but he – you know, will get injured in the first quarter and have to miss, you know, almost the rest of the game. Like, he's one of the toughest guys on the team, no question, but it kind of reminds me of Edelman. But there is a point where that you just can't do that for a consistent period of time, and it's when does that time come, and is it a quick drop-off? It's a slow drop-off? Like, he's already, think, shown, he's already shown signs of it dropping off. I think it's going to be quick, personally, and I think the Patriots sort of agree, and that's why you saw, saw Kyle Duggar drafted in the second round. The yeah. only question there is, how quickly can he get up to speed NFL-wise? Because I think he has the physical tools, the skills, the size, the speed, the versatility. But he played at Lenore Ryan. He played freaking Lime Rock or whatever. Like, right. There's going to be a transition. It would – I say this a lot. A lot of things that would stun me. It would stun me if he came in and was like a starting caliber safety. Yeah, I, I don't see right. – I see this sort of like a red shirt here. Sort of learn, learn from Patrick Chun. Learn from Devin McCourty. Learn from, learn from everybody. Take it all in. Play your – have a role, but not a big role on a given week, and then see what happens next year when Patrick Trump potentially is, is gone. McCourty's a year older. Like, I'll have more of a role down the road. This year it's more of a learning experience. Well, if this is a redshirt year and Patrick Chung gets really old really fast – He could have to play, yeah. I don't – like, then I don't know what's happening. You're putting a guy out there who either Chung isn't able to do it anymore – or Duggar's not yet able to do it. And either way, the role you put them in, now maybe that's where Joan Williams, Adrian Phillips, because um, we saw, what's his name? The bloom kind of faded on uh, Terrence Brooks last year when he had to play. I mean, he's he still got, there. He's still there, but I don't think you want to play him very – like if Chung's not there, I don't think you want to start Terrence Brooks and say Terrence Brooks is going to play the whole game. Right. I mean, we saw – the Dolphins picked on him immediately when Chung went out, right? Well, the, was it the – didn't he – wasn't he in covers in the last touchdown against the Titans? I believe. The two yeah. games they lost, he gave up a touchdown to Gasecki, didn't he, against yep. the Dolphins? Yep. Chung went out, and then I believe he gave up a, a touchdown to the – was it the Harvard kid? The weird I, name or something? I think so. I think he, he was in coverage on the touchdown. I remember yeah. he, was, he was very emotional in the locker room after the game. Well, because also the story for him was – Special teamer, oh, he's more than a special teamer. He can play defense. He's blah, blah, blah. And then eh, maybe he's a special teamer kind of thing. Once he, so once Adrian, he a bigger role, it was like, yes, he's more of a special team. Right. Diminishing uh, returns on his expanded role. So that's where you get Adrian Phillips, who has started for the Chargers, had 94 tackles two years ago, Is a was an all-pro special teams player a couple of years ago. Maybe he is, you know, very much in the mix to play. And then you and I talked about this. You know, you like to throw those little wild card nobody names out there. Um, Malik Gant or Gant. Um, I don't believe he's related to Ron Gant, the former no. power hitter for the Braves. Don't but a uh, bit of a hitter, bit of a physical safety. I'll throw him in there. He's been in the system more than a year now on the practice squad. And he's on the roster. So maybe he's a chance. But you're right. The position that basically had three captains, three starters – for a few years in Harmon, Chung, and McCourty, now has – I think McCourty is coming off a great year. I don't think he'll get old overnight. I think he'll right. still be competitive. Harmon traded to the Lions, and now you have Chung. Where are his skills in terms of their erosion? 
how do you bring in either a veteran and Adrian Phillips to fill that role, or how do you put Kyle Duggar out there? Uh, special teams, pretty much set a punter. Jake Bailey coming off his great rookie season. I'm sure he'll build off that. Then the bigger question is, what do you, what's the kicking situation? Uh, how do you replace Steven Gutskowski? Is Justin War roster? Is that how you say his name? Roster? What do you say? Whatever his name is. Is he, is he capable of replacing Gutskowski? Do they bring in another kicker for training camp? Like, how do they approach that? Who does, the, the, kick, who does the kickoffs? With the entire team focused on the Black Lives Matter movement, how is Rohrwasser accepted in the locker room with some questionable tattoos and background? I mean, there's a lot of questions there, but they don't have a kicker. Like, he's, there's no competition, so it's his job to lose. He's expected to be the kicker, and they're a team that, Probably going to need every point they can possibly score this year. Yeah, if you're, you, can't have, you can't afford to be missing, like, 42-yard field goals. Nope. And, and you may have to take them, too. Like, right. it's not even – remember the whole controversy in the Super Bowl where they went for it in Gostowski's rookie year on right. a 42-yard field goal? Right. You can't do that. Like, you're not going to have more confidence in the offense than the kicker. With, right. With whoever's out there. I don't care whether it's Hoyer or whether it's um, Stidham. You're not going to have a ton of confidence. Hello? You just froze a lot, but that's okay. We'll just continue. Yeah. Love Wi-Fi. We were talking about it off air. I'm going to go look into some Wi-Fi extenders at Comcast today. If any of the off-day podcast listeners have any uh, expertise in this area and would like to uh, shoot us a tweet, it's at offdaypod on Twitter. Um, I need some advice because in my home office, in the top corner of the house, Wi-Fi bit spotty. We just, that was evident just there. So you were talking about the kicker. Uh, you froze mid-thought. Uh, con- continue. Was it a good thought or a bad thought? What was the I, thought? You, you didn't really get to the thought. That's typical of me. Sometimes I take the long road to grandma's house. Um, I just think they're not going to be in position to move the ball well enough offensively to forego potential field goals. So he's going to have to kick field goals. He can't miss PATs. They're going to need those points. Now, I mean, I guess if you're a real pessimist and you think they're like a four-win team, it doesn't really matter. But if you think right. they're a seven-win to nine-win team, well, there's a good chance you could get from seven wins to nine wins based on the kicker and what the kicker is or isn't able to do. So he's going to have a lot of pressure. Like, remember how much Bill has praised Gostowski for filling the shoes of Vinatieri? Oh, well, it's kind of it's, the same it's thing. Not the, it's not the same because it's, it's not the Hall of Fame legend, but it's all pro franchise leader in points, really good guy for over a decade. Right. 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 So there's going to be a lot of pressure, and he has the added pressure of the weird tattoo three percenters thing. Um, so he is definitely one of the, the major wild cards, I would say, on this team. But he's not the only one on special teams. No Joe Judge. They move on yep. um, with Cam McCord, who I think will be fine. I think he – my guess is he probably pretty much did the job last year when Judge was Judge hosting was wide. Was, yes. Um, you have questions at both returner roles. Gunnar Olszewski – my guess is he's easily replaceable. Brandon Bolden was your kick returner, but he wasn't really that good. It's not that valuable a role. Can you find one of these young guys, one of these speedy guys to do the job? Duggar, so, maybe? Uh, maybe if you want to get him involved. Get I certainly don't think it'll be Julian Edelman. No, can't do that. Um, That's the worst thing that could happen is have him get injured, you know, returning a punt. 
Uh, yeah, that would be, uh, that'd be problematic. That'd be unfortunate. Um, so yeah, the long snapper, Joe Cardona, Jake Bailey's the kicker. I mean, the punter, maybe the kickoff guy, Rock Wasser, uh, is going to be your field goal guy. I have no idea who's going to return punts and kicks. They probably don't either. I don't want Mohamed Sanu, even if he's on the team. I think he's useless in that role. Um, and he probably won't be, who knows, but he won't be in that openings with athletes. Uh, before we close, we'll give you a little preview of your pod or column tomorrow. Uh, coming to WEI, part of your uh, Friday piece. Uh, basically yep. saying, you know, I guess you can say it. Well, it's, it's a little bit of a reaction to some reactions, if that makes any sense. And I think I'll – you won't get named in there specifically, but you started this ball rolling a few weeks ago with a column you wrote about, like, oh, Bill Belichick's going to love this team. They're scrappy and underachievers and doubted. And, you know, then we had – Mike Giardi's report that Edelman has the red ass to prove people right. wrong. And he's not a product of Brady and Rodney Harrison. Oh, Bill's going to put all this on his built bulletin board materials, them against the world. And Matt light said, they'll be motivated. Everybody thinks they'll be motivated. That's great. You know why? I never doubted that they'd be motivated. I would never even think to doubt that the new England Patriots under Bill Belichick with guys like Slater and McCourty and Edelman, I never once would say, are they motivated? Do they want to be good? To me, that's a given. That's a 100% given in New England. Are they good enough? As I said to you, they're going to be scrappy. Drop the S and they're just crappy. Like, I don't know how good their talent is this year on offense, skill position players, quarterbacks, defense. Do they take a step back because some of the moves and some of the aging? Special teams, do they miss key field goals that help them win or lose games? I think there's a lot of just pure performance projection questions with the Patriots more so than in a long time and more so with than with a lot of other teams as well. I think there are other teams that are well ahead of them in sort of the presumed production category. Um, so yeah, do I think Edelman wants to prove the world wrong? Yep. Do I think Bill Belichick wants to prove the world wrong and it's us against them? But the bottom line is when you take the field, it really is you against them. And if they're better, it doesn't matter how good you want to be if you're not good enough to do it. And that's where I'm – because we had Ken Laird, who likes to be our fire flamethrowing columnist sometimes on WEEI.com, morning show producer. And he's like, oh, it's 2001 all over again. Okay, so yeah. So, yeah, then, then I guess Stidham's going to be Brady and the defense will be scrappy and they'll get right. you know, all these breaks. Maybe David Patton will be knocked unconscious to allow them to retain possession. But I just – I personally – never doubt their motivations and their desire to be good right now. What I doubt is their talent and their ability to be good. Right. That, that's totally fair. It's my summarization of it. So check that out tomorrow on the website. Uh, anything else you want to hit on before we, 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 we take away? Well, um, I think we should do our weekly two minute check-in with the coronavirus and oh, where the world yeah. is going. And, um, so I'm gonna, let's now finish every podcast, With hopefully stronger than we started it, the way you did today. Another off day pod. So let's finish every podcast. Will the Patriots play 16 regular season games this fall? Yes, but not strongly. I'm going to say yes, too, but we ask that because Dr. Know-it-all Fauci, who's been in and out of the limelight over the course of the last six months, including the very early stages when he said coronavirus was nothing that anybody in the United States needed to worry about, is now saying the NFL really needs to be worried about playing its games because he actually even says baseball needs to try to expedite their season, don't go into October. 
cold weather and return to this and indoors and that could be a second wave and all these things we've heard. And now he's saying like the NFL could be in trouble because of that. But in the same light, he also talks out of both sides of his mouth and says, oh, I'd go to a stadium with half full capacity or third capacity. So right. I don't really know where he is. You pose the idea that he's just trying to stay relevant, stay in the spotlight. Maybe he wants to write a book after this and he needs his name to, you know, to be in the, uh, yeah. But um, I, I do, because we've talked, we've, we've looked at the fact that baseball is coming back slash not coming back slash coming back mid-July maybe. Right. And then NBA coming back late July, but then they had the questions of, you know, social injustice and are we doing a disservice to our cause if we come back? I think they're going to try to come back. They're going back. I think so. But we've also lost focus a little bit because of the money and the other things of the coronavirus. Like, right. is we, we're seeing the spiking in the various southern states, um, Florida, although there was some misreports out of Florida, thanks oh, to the, the governor. Airport. Moron. Freaking governor, what a moron. Um, but Arizona is spiking. Texas is spiking. NFL players are testing positive. College players are testing positive. Houston had to shut down their athlete workouts because too many guys tested positive. I still think there are questions as to who plays, when they play, how much they play, can they stay playing? And I've still continued to ask the question, like, I think people are going to freak out if there's like a small outbreak in the Disney World NBA bubble. I think if like suddenly 12 guys test positive on four different teams, some players are like, I'm bleeping out of here. Like, I'm not staying in this world. Yeah, you have me enclosed in a world, but the world has coronavirus in that small. So... I'm still, I'm with you very similarly. I, I think they, they're the NFL. I think they'll probably play 16 games, but I wouldn't want to stake my mortgage or career or anything on it. I don't, I don't feel great about it. No, like it's, it's kind of like you said, the NFL usually finds a way to get done. They can react to how the other sports have done it. They're the last sport to do it. And, but the wild card is that second wave of what happens in October, what happens in November, like how do right. things look then? And, I think that everybody needs to sort of understand that there are going to be players in every sport that test positive. Like that is going to happen and people shouldn't freak out over that because that's going to happen. Like it's not that the world has shown that if people are going to test positive and you can still conduct life, you know, with somebody that tests positive, as long as they're taken out of commission with testing, you know, at the proper time ahead of, ahead of things, hopefully. Except when that person's name is LeBron James or Tom Brady or Drew Brees, how do you handle that? If in the middle of a, you know, the first week of the season, that Wednesday, instead of Tom Brady going to the podium for his midweek press conference, I'm assuming he'll do those in Tampa, even though he didn't do them in New England and made us jump through hoops to try to talk to him. Um, he seems to be much more comfortable than in Tampa. Yeah. What if he comes to the podium and says, I can't play this week. I got Corona. I'm benched for two weeks. Like, how does the world get affected by that? Do they just play on regardless of who has it, who doesn't? Is there like, this hierarchy where, oh, well, you know, the special teamer got it, the rookie, it's fine. Oh, wait a minute, it's it's Gronk and Brady have it because they've been hanging out so much together, whatever. Like, I think there's still hurdles and questions and, and things in that nature, but all we can do is sort of follow it from afar and, I don't know, stay positive, which is tough for me, so. We're trying. Yeah. All right. We'll, uh, we'll be back next week with another podcast, as always, because we deliver content. Um, I think we're one of the few podcasts that are still going, and I think uh, that deserves some credit. And uh, I agree with that. 
a few podcasts, both at our station, both in terms of Patriots. We've been chugging along at least weekly for the whole time here. We will continue to do so. And some of our fans have noted it on Twitter. They appreciate it. They actually, um, at least one listener said, I believe last week's podcast was one of our best yet. They really enjoyed it. So hopefully they enjoy this one. If you do enjoy them, go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, five stars if possible. But uh, just let everybody know that you enjoy the podcast. Follow us on Twitter, where Ryan does absolutely nothing with that Twitter account these days. I post the podcast uh, when it's up. That's all that matters. Well, you could try to interact. Social media, back and forth, brand, that kind of stuff. Why don't you take over the role? Show me how it's done. I'm not sure I'm well-suited for that. All right. All right. Fair enough. But maybe I'll make that my, uh, I'll make an effort to, to interact more. Tweet. Yeah, be interactive. Take questions, answer, get into fights, pick, you know, retweet a couple things from that account if you think it's appropriate for our discussion as a brand and as a show. True. All right. Uh, We'll talk to you uh, next week. Thanks for listening. Another off day podcast, another uh, week of not big Patriots news, but once again, we're going to deliver a podcast and a good podcast, I think. Are we sure? Because I'm not sure I liked your energy. Once again, an off-day podcast. What, is Eeyore hosting this freaking thing? Do you want to host? Do you want to host? No, I'm more of of an off-the-ball kind of player. Okay. And so what, you call me the point guard? Uh, Yeah, I didn't say you were a good point guard. I should say you're the point guard. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I guess something you want to mock right off the top. Yesterday, uh, Albert Breer posted a mailbag uh, where he was asked, what the Eagles could do um, with what, – what's his name? Brandon um, Brooks. Brooks. He's up for the year with a torn Achilles. And he wrote basically that Joe Tooney could be an option. And then immediately multiple outlets, including our own, jumped on it as, you know, saying basically the Eagles could be a landing spot for Joe Tooney. Yeah. Um, when a guy just – I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's like – the, the most, rel- you know, even if Schefter just throws something out there, when they're just spitballing like that to like pretend the dots are already partially connected, I just, I hate. Um, to me, this was just, um, if I asked you, your car broke down, are you probably going to buy a new car? Yeah. Are you probably going to go look at a few dealerships? Yeah. Is there a chance you buy a Toyota? Yeah. But if I say, uh, Ryan's car broke down, I think he might get a Corolla. What am I basing that on? Like, where is that coming from? So to me, that's what this is. Yes, there's Joe Tooney. Yes, he's on the franchise tag. Yes, there was initially speculation that he might be traded. I got to think that possibility has diminished unless the Eagles are, you know, all in. But I I don't – I mean, I think the Patriots are comfortable with Joe Tooney on the books right now. That's what I wrote this morning. If if he's still on the roster now, it makes no sense to get rid of him. Like, once the draft passed and he was still on your roster – He's pretty much on your roster for the entire year. Now, that could change contractually. Like, he could get a contract extension, but I don't see him getting traded. It doesn't make any sense. No, because then – now, I guess if you were just saying this is a total rebuild, if you want to go like – Well, I said that too, but you don't have anybody else in place, and do you want to put Jared Stidham in the new Patriots offense without Tom Brady – with like a terrible offensive line and Stidham gets sacked every time he drops back to throw the running game, can't do anything. Like they don't have anybody to replace Joe Tooney. Like it'd be uh Froho and you don't know what he is. No idea what he is. And then the next in line might be, I don't even know. Well, and I also put, isn't Tooney technically the backup center? Uh, yes, I would say he is. He's so, also probably, he's also probably technically the backup left tackle too. Right. 
So if you lose Tooney, your offensive line, which some have said could be the best in the NFL, all of a sudden becomes like middle of the pack to end of the pack. Yeah, so you you weren't a very good offensive line a year ago. Now, honestly, there were injuries and issues there, but you take away the guy who's supposed to now be the best player on that line and remove him and still have uncertainty of win. Who knows if he can get through a season? Who knows if he's a legit left tackle? David Andrews, okay, he's supposedly healthy. He's deemed himself ready to go, but I'm not 100% in that that's something we can move on from and just ignore. Can't be, and I don't think the Patriots are either. Right, and then... You know, Shaq Mason, hopefully he's healthy. You have him to count on. Marcus Cannon, hopefully he's healthy, motivated, and playing like good Marcus Cannon, not, you know, suspect Marcus Cannon. Correct. They have – to me, that's the biggest wild card position on the team by oh, far. Like, yeah. Because even, like, I know everybody would focus on quarterback, but even if Stidham's good, how good is he as a rookie, as a first-time starter? Like, right. But the offensive line – I don't think it's ridiculous to say they could have one of the best offensive lines in football. Well, that's what I was going to say. The the potential is way high, but then right. the the low bar is way low. Yeah, it's like the you know when we talk about prospects, and I say he's got a low floor and a high ceiling. Well, he could be really bad, but he could be really good. Right. Well, how's that? Where's that going to land on that balance? Um, and a lot of it's kind of like what you always say too. Like it's just sort of the way things go in the NFL. Some things work out, some things don't out, don't work out. So it kind of evens out. And that's kind of what the Patriots offensive line is. Like right. Isaiah Wynn could be great, but Marcus Cannon could have a, a, a bad year. It all evens out. Yeah. And if we want to do it statistically, you like you got a one in five chance that each guy is elite. So one fifth times one fifth times one fifth. That's long odds that you're really good. It's long odds that you're really bad in my opinion, and in all likelihood, you're in the middle somewhere where you have a decent offensive line, but that would take a blow with a Tooney trade. I mean, it's not ideal, but again, I think they're somewhat comfortable with paying Joe Tooney the franchise tag and moving forward from there. I mean, it's it, you, it sounds like everything you read. doesn't make any sense. Like, I, I agree. To, why wouldn't you try to extend him? Well, you can try, but that's not always easy. So you're of the mind that you wouldn't give him like a, a, a max deal? Um, I don't think that's good business. I think you've invested in in Shaq Mason. Um, you know, I, the cap could be coming down depending on how the NFL plays out this year. I, I just don't love the idea. And the problem with the franchise tag, we've heard it a million times, is as soon as that player has that number, that's the number. Like that's right. where the agent works from. So Joe Tooney says, okay, I make $14.7 million a year. So to lower the number, to take a hit in salary, and he's like, wait a minute, that says $14.7 million. Why am I making right. – so there, there's just a big number out there, and it's hard to go backwards from that number. Um, I also just don't know how good he is. Like, it's fine to say he's always out there, and he doesn't get hurt, and he's pretty good, but is he really good? Is he like – you know, everybody would point to um, – It's not Logan Mankins. He's not Quentin Nelson. Like, everybody – like, is he one of the best guards in the game? Sure, maybe. But is he top two, top five, top ten? And what does that even get you? Like, how important is that? How valuable is that? So, I, I don't know. I'm – I wouldn't – I don't think I would sign Joe Tooney to a massive contract. I mean, you're talking about $15 million a year, some average of $15 million a year. So, five years, you know, $75 million or something like that. And I just – for this not, team, but then 
I could I I I'm of the same mindset, but then like do you factor in Skarnecki being gone? Like, do you need to have somebody who you can depend on that's gonna be out there, it's gonna be consistent? Like that would help Tooney's case, but is it can you find somebody else like one of their draft picks, your guy, the Wake Forest guy, Heron, Heron, however you say his name. Right. Like could could he one day just slide in and be serviceable? Well, I mean, you have two Pro Bowl caliber left and right guards that you drafted in the third and fourth round. Like, find a guy. Right. Whether it's Froholt from a year ago. He should be he should be healthy now. He was a mid-round pick. Right. He's been in the system. He even got a year of some sort under Skarnekia to build off of, even though, you know, right. he doesn't have that to lean on now. I just – this is where you kind of have to re-feed the system, in my opinion, and not sell out at a – But then why franchise – but then why franchise? Um, that's a great question. Just to – I don't know. That's a great question because you're right back where you started. Right. If you if you just play him out on the franchise tag this year, you have an expiring contract. Now are you going to franchise him again with the 25% raise and all that? I, I definitely wouldn't do that. But no. it's a great question. I don't necessarily – maybe there were better trade thoughts initially, but is it worth it now to make a hole at left guard, another question on your offense, and get – Again, I don't think you're going to get a ton for him if you trade him because they have to sign him, right? right. Well, and if you trade him, you're you're probably getting a 2021 draft pick, right? Right, but even then, I don't think you're – I mean, I said all along, maybe a third-round pick, maybe dream of a second-round pick. Right, you're right. If you're trading him, you're going to take on that contract. Right, so – Which, again, he has that franchise tag number in his head. So, And let's go to the Eagles that Breer just threw out there and every- – Everybody thinks could be whatever. Well, he threw it out there because they need they need a player to replace him, and Tooney was somewhat available. Like it wasn't like it was just sort of connecting the dots in a way. Pure speculation, right? And but they're a team. I believe they can fit him now, but they have cap issues moving forward. So they're adding either a one year rental or have to find a way to get him under the cap moving forward with all their other financial considerations. I mean, sure, it could happen. Um, I just don't think it's very likely. Certainly, if I were to rank the chances, I would say I would put trade down a little bit now. Because I, and you also you have so where are we? Like June 18th, the Eagles would be on the clock. They'd have to do the contract quickly for the July 15th right extension. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a good little like nugget to talk about, I guess. But right. I had right. sort of resigned myself to the fact that Joe Tooney is going to be a Patriot. Same. And then the other thing, too, is so people talk about, well, you could free up the $14 million for the Patriots. Like, who are you going to spend that on? All the guys right. are gone. Like, free agency's over. Like, there's not that big marquee name at any position that's still available. Like, it, right. and it, we've talked about it. Like, there's other ways to create their cost of doing business for the year. Like, right. I don't think um, Illuminor is going to play under the $2.1 million um, tender. He's either going to sign like a lot. They like him. If they like him, they sign him to like a three-year contract with a lower cap number for this year, like 900K. Or they cut him and that money comes right off the books. I mean, there's – and they could do, you know, a number of deals, you know, Dante Hightower or somebody like that. They could do a deal. Sign him to an extension. Right. So, yeah, I don't – they don't need the money. I mean, they don't have cap money, but they don't need the cap money right now. There's really no – you know, we keep using the example. If yeah, if Antonio Brown became available, that type of player where they wanted to swing for the fences, they'd have to do something creative, and you know, we'll see. But I don't think that's likely, and I don't think they would do that. I don't know that they're in the market. The way they're built, are they in the market for 
oh, we got to go get a, an elite player who just became available. Why? So you can maybe win nine games instead of eight. Like if right. you're not, it's, it's not the same build. It's not the, the end goal. Yeah. You're trying to win, but the end, you're not one of those teams right on the cusp anymore. Correct. Uh, so you've continued your positional previews. Uh, let's start with uh, the linebacking spot. Is that a good one to start with? Sure. We can start with uh, Jawan Bentley because he spoke to the media via WebEx on uh, – which, by the way, I had some issues, but I don't need to go down that Rob Bradford road. We know Boss Man had some issues one day with a WebEx. Well, see, for some reason, my freaking laptop, the, my company laptop, does not like to go to new wireless places. Okay. Like – it doesn't like to attach to the wireless. So I went to my mom's house and I was just going to do it from her living room and it would not connect to the wireless. And then I said, Oh, I'll just restart it. Maybe that's it. Well, 20 minutes later when it was done restarting, like it said, restart, restart, restart forever. Like a freaking mouse was running slow inside to keep it moving. So then I ended up, I did it off my phone. I, okay. I WebEx in through my phone. You can do like audio. I don't even know. My phone number was probably visible the whole time on the freaking call when people were, I don't even know how to do any of that, but I got it done. I was on the interview. Uh, he was very good. I, I like him. I don't know what your views of him. He doesn't speak very often. He's obviously no. been injured and last year wasn't a go-to guy because he didn't play much, but I like him. He's a, he's sort of like the other guys. A lot of those guys on the team, nice guy part like has his, he's very friendly, personable, probably not like a great quote in a way. Like I don't know. And he even mentioned that like, Halfway through his first couple answers about himself and his role, he's like, you know, I know I'm getting into the cliche here, but just trying to find a role and help the team any way I can. Right. Like, that's you know kind of, doing. Right. He's kind of like the – like Bill likes him because he doesn't say anything. Yeah. And if you remember, like, I don't know if I want to over – like, I think there were a lot of high hopes for him a year ago. Uh, yeah, because of the way he played in those first few games as a rookie. Right. Like his preseason as a rookie, then he started two of the first three games. He had like a boatload of tackles, and you're like, and I even remember last year talking this time, kinda, to Mayo, and he's like, oh, you know, the number he looks the same. He's right. actually more athletic than me and bigger than me. Blah 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 blah. And then by no fault of his own, he was healthy all year. They just had good depth at linebacker. He right. was stuck behind Hightower and Collins and Van Oy and even Roberts. I was gonna say well, even Roberts. Yeah, that's not true anymore. So. You know, now that's now it's high tower and nobody else at linebacker. And I think Bentley has to be penciled in as a starter. That's what I did in my positional preview page. Oh, York, yeah. I think he might have to play more than any linebacker on the team. Like probably Hightower, Hightower is not yeah, he's getting up there. And as if high tower plays like eighty five percent of the snaps, because I looked last year, the only two guys that played eighty percent of the snaps on the front seven were Collins and Vanoy, both gone. They were the only two guys. So that's well, a ton I, of snaps. What was Hightower, like 60? Uh, why are you asking me these things? Don't, don't. <laughs> Haven't you ever seen the Charlie Casterly thing? Don't ask me a question that you didn't bring up in the production meeting. All right. Well, All right. You, you brought up that you did the numbers, so I figured it was reasonable to ask. Jesus Christ. Talk, talk amongst yourself for a second. I'll look it up. I, I think it was like 70%. But I could probably look it up faster than you can. Yeah, you got a computer. Patriot snap counts. I'll find it. Pro Football Reference has a great simple. You just Patriot snap counts. Pro Football Reference comes up. They're all right there. Don't worry. That's where I'm. Which where I'm at right now. So what? What'd you say this was? Patriot snap counts. No, no. What? What did? What was your prediction? Oh, my prediction. I'll go seventy-one percent. I said in the sixty range. So, oh, oh, I see. So you did, you said front seven guys were 
Oh, yeah, all the secondary guys play it. Right. Hightower was 71%. I nailed it. Good job. Good job. Which means I probably read it, and it was sort of buried in the back of my head somewhere. Right, right. But the bigger point is you have a massive amount of snaps that went to Van Oy and um, Collins, and Bentley was basically in line with um, Roberts last year, like 20% playtime, because he started a couple games. He played a little bit. Actually, yeah. he had a decent number of tackles for his percentage of uh, play no, time. Bentley actually played more than Roberts. Bentley had 27%. Roberts had 20%. Right. Um, so he, I, I still think he's capable. I think he's a guy that could be in every – well, I won't say every down, but every game oh, yeah. significant play time linebacker. Um, and he's going to have to be because if he doesn't play, now you're saying – you know, Uche and Jennings and some of those guys are going to have to play. Well, it's young guys, like they don't have like Bentley's more of a middle guy. Who else do they have to play in the middle? Therese um, Hightower can play in there. Well, um, yeah. But besides Cash, Cash Mawalu, however you say his name. Oh, the six round pick from Idaho. I think it was Wyoming. But Wyoming, one of those. Wyoming, you're right. Totally disregard the specific states out there, the Midwest or whatever that is. Mountain, one West. of those schools. Um, you know, he was the second best linebacker on his team behind Logan Wilson was his name. Yeah. The one who went like the third or fourth round and then Bill was like, well, like, we scouted him. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, most of their, even the newcomers, Jennings, Uche, Brandon Copeland, um, or the returning guys, Simon Winovich, you have a lot of edge guys who are that tweener D end outside linebacker. If you're looking for a guy in the middle of the field, a tackle machine, it's kind of him and not of other, a lot of options. So I think he's going to have a big role. Now, he was asked specifically if he was trying to, um, like, improve, grow his skill set for, like, outside, on the ball. I just don't think there's any shot in hell of, A, that happening, and, B, there being a need. Like, why would he right. – he doesn't need to move out. Somebody needs to move in. Somebody needs to right. show they could play. He, he, I think that's a question, like, do you ask Winovich, hey, if they asked you to, you know, play inside at all or, or – one of those guys right they now we also know that the the way they move around like oh who's an inside linebacker who's an outside linebacker i mean mean, sometimes they could have patrick chung playing in that role right but i guess my thing is i think what you just do is the the hope and the the potential you sort of had last august and september just fast forwarded a calendar year and maybe that'll come to fruition and it's sort of his year two jump after a semi red shirt second season Anything other from the linebacker spot that stood out that you want to hit on or move on to the next? Um, I'm, I'm intrigued by Uche and Jennings. I know everybody around here is madly in love with Chase Winovich and the hair, and he's now a YouTube sensation, and he's doing all these videos. I, like, I think he's a role player. I think he's a, like a, he's a little bit like, you know, I don't know, a Chris Slade. It just He'll have his sacks. I just – I see him running by the quarterback. I saw I saw a lot of like circumstantial pressures last year yeah. from him. So I'm actually hoping that the combination of Uche and Jennings is better. And certainly Jennings is the guy to watch coming out of Alabama where it's funny because the scouting report on him is he's more of an edge setter and a run player. Well, he also led the team with like eight sacks, I think, last year. So it's not like he's incapable of being productive in the pass rush game. And then Uche – you know, I probably fall victim to I love Don Brown. Talk to Don he, Brown. He Don Brown says up, he's so you, you, yeah, great pass rusher. So now I'm I'm buying into that. Um, but I think there's a good chance 
you could see both of those guys be impact rookies in their own role, their own little platoon system. So Winovich played 28% of the snaps last year. Do you think Uche and Jennings play similar, more, less? I'm going to take the over on Jennings and similar on Uche. Because that's sort of what Uche has been at Michigan. Like he wasn't an every down guy, barely played really at all, but made most of his snaps. Yes. And he, he's that pass rusher. Now, obviously it's, what kind of games are you in? Um, If you suck and the other team is running the ball in the second half because they're up, you know, 18 points or something that could be, you know, uh, Jennings time, you know, if the, if you're winning and it's comeback time could be more Uche. I just think both of those guys, you're going to kind of, you can, I don't think you can afford for both of those guys to just take their time and be red shirt guys and ease their way into the lineup. I think, at least one of them is ha- going to have to contribute or be given the chance to contribute right out the gates. Cornerback, uh, what, what do you think stood out there? Obviously, you know, Gilmore's the, the lead guy there. I, I think the question is, can they continue to be that strong group that they've been the last several years? Continues the key word, continuity. They have all their guys back. They were good last year. Um, they have guys that sure maybe are on the wrong end, like a Jason McCourty. But for every Jason McCourty, you have a J.C. Jackson coming into his own, Jonathan Jones, prime of his career, Joan yep. Williams, who was a, a redshirt rookie, second-round pick. I mean, they are stacked at cornerback. That's, I mean, that could be the best cornerback room in the National Football League. And unlike running back, yep. it has a, a, a star. Like, Correct. Like the, the Tannenbaum can say that – right, the Tannenbaum, oh, the running back's the best room in the NFL. Yeah, except they don't even have a starter. They have good depth, but they don't have a guy. Cornerback has the best defensive player in the National Football League from a year ago, one of two cornerbacks that's won defensive player of the year the last quarter century. And, oh, by the way, J.C. Jackson, who people think can be a number one corner, Jason McCourty, who's been a number one corner for a number of teams, veteran experience, Joan Williams, a second-round pick who at worst should be a matchup guy, a, right. a unique long weapon. And then Jonathan you can do – One of the most versatile right. – Jonathan Jones. Yeah. Like – a lot of teams like, oh, great slot corner, whatever you want to call them. So I think that's a legit position. It may need to be. Um, you know, they face Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, like right out, you know, first month of September, you're going to get challenged and we'll see. Now, I think that Gilmore will have a, a fallback year. I don't think he can be as good. It's just assumed he's a year older. He had, you know, you can't do much better than he did last year. Right. And I mean, when you tie for the NFL lead in picks, you got pick sixes, you're deflecting balls that other people pick off. Like he had a great, great year other than the season finale against Devontae Parker. It's it's unrealistic to expect him to continue to play at that elite level, but I still expect him to be what he was the year before and the end of the year before that. He's still a number one cornerback. No question. He's a pro bowl cornerback. He's, it would stun me if he's not a top five corner ish um, but it would also stun me if he won back-to-back <laughs> Defensive Player of the Year awards. So somewhere in that middle. But the, I, to me, the most interesting guy there, well, two most interesting guys there, I would say, are J.C. Jackson is – I mean, he had five picks last year. That's, that's right. good production. Like, is, does he continue to make this jump that some people think is the number one cornerback? Right. And if, if people are afraid of Gilmore, if there's some aura where they, you know, oh, I'm going to throw to the other side of the field, that sh- could give – J.C. Jackson opportunities, and he's shown the ability to be a ball hawk, go get the football. So right. maybe he even sees more production. And then the other one would be Joe Williams. Is he 
What is, is he? Uh, is he even yeah. a safety? Like he's working the safety spot. Well, that's the other thing. Both he and McCordy, Jason, you know, spending some reps at um, safety, learning the safety position. You lose Duran Harmon. Could they be in that kind of tweener role? But it's funny because I think most notable, at least in my memory, of Joan Williams from last year is him up at the line of the scrimmage, making tackles in the run game, playing sort of a physical style on the edge. That's sort of what people thought he was when he was drafted. Sort of a bigger guy. So he, to me, is not really in that free safety mold that you would think of as a corner. It's more, is he a corner or is he sort of a physical in the box safety? Like a Um, Patrick Chung type. Yeah, a a little different style, a little longer. I was saying bigger. Yeah, not as like compact and stocky. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he's a really interesting player. And you also can't get out of your head. Yeah, last year he's buried on a really good secondary. But he's a second-round pick. So if he's buried on a really good secondary for another year, then maybe he's not that good. Maybe he's right. another one of these second-round corners who isn't that good. Because, you know, at some point, I don't care who's ahead of you. If you're a second-round corner with unique skills, you should find a way to get on the field and, and right. contribute. Uh, speaking of safety, that's a position where there's some change. It used to be the most sort of, the, not the, I guess, dependable positions of the team. You had Harmon, Chung, McCordy, guys yep. been around a long time. Now Harmon's gone. You bring in a guy like Adrian Phillips, who's kind of a versatile guy. He doesn't really play the typical safety role. I still think it's one of the better positions on the team, but it's just not as certain as maybe it was when Jerron Harmon was your third guy. Yeah, I think the wild card there is Patrick Chung and his age. You know, they just gave him that one-year extension money deal that technically has him extended through, like, 2023, I think. But, yeah, he's coming to the end. He's, he's um, I, I've enjoyed – one of the things I've enjoyed doing these little roster reset blogs on our website is coming up with a key stat for every uh, position. Like, the cornerback position, the key stat was that uh, – Stephon Gilmore had more yards catching the football than Nikhil Harry did as a first-round wide receiver. I enjoyed that one. And one that I think is interesting that I didn't enjoy as much because I kind of like Patrick Chung. Uh, first year of his career that he didn't have basically a big play, didn't have an interception, a sack, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. And you can say, oh, that's circumstantial. Sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way. I don't know. For a decade, he always had at least one. And most of the time had multiples, multi, you know, yeah. sack, interception, force. He had, he didn't have any of those. And you weren't around back then, but um, those plays, those lack of those plays, was seen as the reason Lawyer Malloy was cut back in two thousand two, um, in a contract squabble. Right. So obviously the contract squabble isn't here because they just did a deal and they've always loved each other. Blah blah blah. They're great, but Patrick Chung, we saw his coverage. I think slipped a little bit a year ago. His playmaking slipped. Is that a one-off circumstantial, or is that he's a 33-year-old, 32, 33-year-old safety, and he's taken a lot of hits, plays a physical style? I mean, think of Bob Sanders. Like, he played – he was much better, but physical style, and he just kind of fell off the map. His body couldn't take the toll. Um, Chung has been remarkably healthy for the most part in his second tour. I mean, healthy with quotations. Like, he's out there, but he – you know, will get injured in the first quarter and have to miss, you know, almost the rest of the game. Like, he's one of the toughest guys on the team, no question about it. Kind of reminds me of Edelman. But there is a point where that you just can't do that for a consistent period of time. And it's when does that time come? And is it a quick drop-off? It's a slow drop-off? Like, he's already, think, showing, he's already showing signs of it dropping off. I think it's going to be quick, personally. And I think the Patriots sort of agree, and that's why you saw, saw Kyle Duggar drafted in the second round. The yep. only question there is, 
how quickly can he get up to speed NFL wise? Cause I think he has the physical tools, the skills, the size, the speed, the versatility, but he played at Lenore Ryan. He played freaking lime rock or whatever. Like right. there's going to be a transition. It would, I say this a lot, a lot of things that would stun me. It would stun me if he came in and was like a starting caliber safety. Yeah, I, I don't see, I see this sort of like a red shirt here. Sort of learn, learn from Patrick Sean, learn from Devin McCourty, learn from, learn from everybody, take it all in, play your, have a role, but not a big role on a given week. And then see what happens next year when Patrick Trump potentially is, is gone. McCourty's a year older. Like, oh, have more of a role down the road. This year, it's more of a learning experience. Well, if this is a redshirt year and Patrick Chung gets really old really fast. He could have to play, yeah. I don't, like, then I don't know what's happening. You're putting a guy out there who either Chung isn't able to do it anymore or Duggar's not yet able to do it. And either way, the role you put them in, now maybe that's where Joan Williams, Adrian Phillips, because um, we saw, what's his name? The bloom kind of faded on uh, Terrence Brooks last year when he had to play. I mean, he's he still got- there. He's still there, but I don't think you want to play him very – like, if Chung's not there, I don't think you want to start Terrence Brooks and say Terrence Brooks is going to play the whole game. Right. I mean, we saw the Dolphins picked on him immediately when Chung went out, right? Well, the, was it the – he, wasn't he in covers in the last touchdown against Titans? I believe. The two yeah. games they lost, he gave up a touchdown to Gasecki, didn't he, against yep. the Dolphins? Yep. Chung went out, and then I believe he gave up a, a touchdown to the – wasn't it the Harvard kid? The weird I, name or something? I think so. I think he, he was in coverage on the touchdown. I remember yeah. he, was, he was very emotional in the locker room after the game. Well, because also the story for him was special teamer. Oh, he's more than a special teamer. He can play defense. He's blah, blah, blah. And then eh, maybe he's a special teamer kind of thing. Once he so – Adrian of a bigger role, is like, yes, he's more of a special teamer. Right. Diminishing uh, returns on his expanded role. So that's where you get Adrian Phillips, who has started for the Chargers, had 94 tackles two years ago, is a – was an all-pro special teams player a couple of years ago. Maybe he is, you know, very much in the mix to play. And then you and I talked about this. You know, you like to throw those little wild card nobody names out there. Um, Malik Gant or Gant. Um, I don't believe he's related to Ron Gant, the former no. power hitter for the Braves. Don't but a uh, bit of a hitter, bit of a physical safety. I'll throw him in there. He's been in the system more than a year now on the practice squad. He's on the roster, so. Maybe he's a chance, but you're right. The position that basically had three captains, three starters for a few years in Harmon, Chung, and McCourty now has, I think McCourty is coming off a great year. I don't think he'll get old overnight. I think he'll still be competitive. Harmon traded to the Lions, and now you have Chung. Where are his skills in terms of their erosion? How do you bring in either a veteran and Adrian Phillips to fill that role, or how do you put Kyle Duggar out there? Uh, Special teams. Pretty much set at punter, Jake Bailey coming off his great rookie season. I'm sure he'll build off that. Then the bigger question is, what do you, what's the kicking situation? Uh, how do you replace Stephen Guskowski? Is Justin War roster? Is that how you say his name? Roster? What do you say? Whatever his name is. Is he, is he capable of replacing Guskowski? Do they bring in another kicker for training camp? Like, how do they approach that? Who does, the, the, kick, who does the kickoffs? With the entire team focused on the Black Lives Matter movement, how is Rohrwasser accepted in the locker room with some questionable tattoos and background? I mean, there's a lot of questions there, but they don't have a kicker. Like, he's, there's no competition, so it's his job to lose. He's expected to be the kicker, and they're a team that 
probably going to need every point they can possibly score this year. Yeah, if you're, you, can't have, you can't afford to be missing, like, 42-yard field goals. Nope. And, and you may have to take them, too. Like, right. it's not even – remember the whole controversy in the Super Bowl where they went for it in Gustowski's rookie year on right. a 42-yard field goal? Right. You can't do that. Like, you're not going to have more confidence in the offense than the kicker. Right. With, with whoever's out there. I don't care whether it's Hoyer or whether it's um, Stidham. You're not going to have a ton of confidence. Hello? You just froze a lot, but that's okay. We'll just continue. Yeah. Love Wi-Fi. We were talking about it off air. I'm going to go look into some Wi-Fi extenders at Comcast today. If any of the off-day podcast listeners have any uh, expertise in this area and would like to uh, shoot us a tweet, it's at offdaypod on Twitter. Um, I need some advice because in my home office, in the top corner of the house, Wi-Fi bit spotty. We just, that was evident just there. So you were talking about the kicker. Uh, you froze mid-thought. Uh, con- continue. Was it a good thought or a bad thought? What was the I, thought? You, you didn't really get to the thought. That's typical of me. Sometimes I take the long road to grandma's house. Um, I just think they're not going to be in position to move the ball well enough offensively to forego potential field goals. So he's going to have to kick field goals. He can't miss PATs. They're going to need those points. Now, I mean, I guess if you're a real pessimist and you think they're like a four-win team, it doesn't really matter. But if you think right. they're a seven-win to nine-win team, well, there's a good chance you could get from seven wins to nine wins based on the kicker and what the kicker is or isn't able to do. So he's going to have a lot of pressure. Like, remember how much Bill has praised Gostowski for filling the shoes of Vinatieri? Oh, well, it's kind of it's, the same it's thing. Not the, it's not the same because it's, it's not the Hall of Fame legend, but it's all pro franchise leader in points, really good guy for over a decade. Right. 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 So there's going to be a lot of pressure, and he has the added pressure of the weird tattoo three percenters thing. Um, so he is definitely one of the the major wild cards, I would say, on this team. But he's not the only one on special teams. No Joe Judge. They move on yep. um, with Cam McCord, who I think will be fine. I think he – my guess is he probably pretty much did the job last year when Judge was – Judge was wide. Yes. Um, you have questions at both returner roles. Gunnar Olszewski – my guess is he's easily replaceable. Brandon Bolden was your kick returner, but he wasn't really that good. It's not that valuable a role. Can you find one of these young guys, one of these speedy guys to do the job? Duggar, so, maybe? Uh, maybe if you want to get him involved. Get I certainly don't think it'll be Julian Edelman. No, can't do that. Um, That's the worst thing that could happen is to have him get injured, you know, returning a punt. Uh, yeah, that would be uh, – that'd be problematic. That'd be unfortunate. Um, so yeah, the long snapper, Joe Cardona, Jake Bailey's the kicker. I mean, the punter, maybe the kickoff guy, Rock Wasser, uh, is going to be your field goal guy. I have no idea who's going to return punts and kicks. They probably don't either. I don't want Mohamed Sanu, even if he's on the team, I think he's useless in that role. Um, and he probably won't be, who knows, but he won't be in that openings with athletes. Uh, before we close, we'll give you a little preview of your pod or column tomorrow, uh, coming to WEI part of your uh, Friday piece. Uh, basically yep. saying, you know, I guess you can say it. Well, it's, it's a little bit of a reaction to some reactions, if that makes any sense. And I think I'll, you won't get named in there specifically, but you started this ball rolling a few weeks ago with a column you wrote about like, 
oh, Bill Belichick's going to love this team. They're scrappy and underachievers and doubted. And, you know, then we had Mike Giardi's report that Edelman has the red ass to prove people right. wrong. And he's not a product of Brady and Rodney Harrison. Oh, Bill's going to put all this on his built bulletin board materials, them against the world. And Matt Light said they'll be motivated. Everybody thinks they'll be motivated. That's great. You know why? I never doubted that they'd be motivated. I would never even think to doubt that the New England Patriots under Bill Belichick with guys like Slater and McCourty and Edelman, I never once would say, are they motivated? Do they want to be good? To me, that's a given. That's a 100% given in New England. Are they good enough? As I said to you, they're going to be scrappy. Drop the S and they're just crappy. Like, I don't know how good their talent is this year on offense, skill position players, quarterbacks, defense. Do they take a step back because some of the moves and some of the aging special teams? Do they miss key field goals that help them win or lose gains? I think there's a lot of just pure performance projection questions with the Patriots, more so than in a long time and more so with than with a lot of other teams as well. I think there are other teams that are well ahead of them in sort of the presumed production category. Um, so yeah, do I think Edelman wants to prove the world wrong? Yep. Do I think Bill Belichick wants to prove the world wrong and it's us against them? But the bottom line is when you take the field, it really is you against them. And if they're better, it doesn't matter how good you want to be if you're not good enough to do it. And that's where I'm, because we had Ken Laird, who likes to be our fire flamethrowing columnist sometimes on weei.com, morning show producer. And he's like, oh, it's 2001 all over again. Okay, so yeah, so yeah, then, then I guess Stidham's going to be Brady and the defense will be scrappy and they'll get right. you know, all these breaks. Maybe David Patton will be knocked unconscious to allow them to retain possession. But I just, I personally never doubt their motivations and their desire to be good. Right now, what I doubt is their talent and their ability to be good. Right. That, that's totally fair. It's my summarization of it. So check that out tomorrow on the website. Uh, anything else you want to hit on before we, 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 we take away? Well, um, I think we should do our weekly two-minute check-in with the coronavirus and oh, where the world is going. And um, so I'm gonna, let's now finish every podcast, with hopefully stronger than we started it, the way you did today. Another off-day pod. So let's finish every podcast. Will the Patriots play 16 regular season games this fall? Yes, but not strongly. I'm going to say yes, too, but we ask that because Dr. Know-it-all Fauci, who's been in and out of the limelight over the course of the last six months, including the very early stages when he said coronavirus was nothing that anybody in the United States needed to worry about, is now saying the NFL really needs to be worried about playing its games because he actually even says baseball needs to try to expedite their season, don't go into October, cold weather, and return to this, and indoors, and that could be a second wave, and all these things we've heard. And now he's saying like the NFL could be in trouble because of that. But in the same light, he also talks out of both sides of his mouth and says, Oh, I'd go to a stadium with half full capacity or third capacity. So right. I don't really know where he is. You pose the idea that he's just trying to stay relevant, stay in the spotlight. Maybe he wants to write a book after this and he needs his name to, you know, to be in the, uh, yeah. But um, I, I do, cause we've talked, we've, we've looked at the fact that, Baseball's coming back slash not coming back slash coming back mid-July, maybe. Right. And then NBA coming back late July, but then they had the questions of, you know, social injustice and are we doing a disservice to our cause if we come back? I think they're going to try to come back. They're going back. 
I think so. But we've also lost focus a little bit because of the money and the other things of the coronavirus. Like, right. is we, we're seeing the spiking in the various southern states, um, Florida, although there was some misreports out of Florida, thanks oh, to the, the governor. Freaking governor, what a moron. Um, but Arizona is spiking. Texas is spiking. NFL players are testing positive. College players are testing positive. Houston had to shut down their athlete workouts because too many guys tested positive. I still think there are questions as to who plays, when they play, how much they play, can they stay playing? And I've still continued to ask the question, like, I think people are going to freak out if there's like a small outbreak in the Disney World NBA bubble. I think if like suddenly 12 guys test positive on four different teams, some players are like, I'm bleeping out of here. Like, I'm not staying in this world. Yeah, you have me enclosed in a world, but the world has coronavirus in that small. So I'm still, I'm with you very similarly. I I think they're the NFL. I think they'll probably play 16 games. But I wouldn't want to stake my mortgage or career or anything on it. I don't, I don't feel great about it. No. Like, it's, it's kind of like you said. The NFL usually finds a way to get done. They can react to how the other sports have done it. They're the last sport to do it. And, but the wild card is that second wave, like what happens in October, what happens in November, like how do right. things look then? And I think that everybody needs to sort of understand that there are going to be players in every sport that test positive. Like, that is going to happen. And people shouldn't freak out over that because that's going to happen. Like it's not that the world has shown that if people are going to test positive and you can still conduct life, you know, with somebody that tests positive, as long as they're taken out of commission with testing, you know, at the proper time ahead of, ahead of things, hopefully. Except when that person's name is LeBron James or Tom Brady or Drew Brees, how do you handle that? If in the middle of a, you know, the first week of the season, that Wednesday, instead of Tom Brady going to the podium for his midweek press conference, I'm assuming he'll do those in Tampa, even though he didn't do them in New England and made us jump through hoops to try to talk to him. Um, he seems to be much more comfortable down in Tampa. Yeah. What if he comes to the podium and says, I can't play this week. I got Corona. I'm benched for two weeks. Like, how does the world get affected by that? Do they just play on regardless of who has it, who doesn't? Is there like, this hierarchy where, oh, well, you know, the special teamer got it, the rookie, it's fine. Oh, wait a minute. It's, it's Gronk and Brady have it. Cause they've been hanging out so much together, whatever. Like, I think there's still hurdles and questions and, and things in that nature, but all we can do is sort of follow it from afar. And I don't know, stay positive, which is tough for me. So we're trying. Yeah. All right. We'll, uh, we'll be back next week with another podcast, as always, because we deliver content. Um, I think we're one of the few podcasts that are still going, and I think uh, that deserves some credit. And uh, I agree with that. A few podcasts, both at our station, both in terms of Patriots. We've been chugging along at least weekly for the whole time here. We will continue to do so. And some of our fans have noted it on Twitter. They appreciate it. They actually... Um, at least one listener said, I believe last week's podcast was one of our best yet. They really enjoyed it. Oh, so hopefully they enjoy this one. If you do enjoy them, go to Apple podcasts and leave a review five stars if possible. But, uh, just let everybody know that you enjoy the podcast. Follow us on Twitter where Ryan does absolutely nothing with that Twitter account these days. I and podcast uh, when it's up, that's all that matters. Well, you could try to interact social media back and forth brand, that kind of stuff. Why don't you take over the role? Show me how it's done. I'm not sure I'm well-suited for that. All right. All right. Fair enough. But maybe I'll make that my, uh, I'll make an effort to, to interact more. 
tweet. Yeah, be interactive. Take questions, answer, get into fights, pick, you know, retweet a couple things from that account if you think it's appropriate for our discussion as a brand and as a show. True. All right. Uh, We'll talk to you uh, next week. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.